Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Do you work at a company that wants more big brands as clients? Or maybe you're a brand marketer who's had a hard time finding reliable, innovative partners. Well, from analytics and e-commerce to augmented reality and chatbots, the best vendors in today's hottest fields will be at Adweek Ignite. Taking place March 19th through 21st in Las Vegas, Ignite Mobile is the ultimate event for decision makers and solution providers alike. Visit adweek.com slash ignite to learn more and apply to attend as a buyer, sponsor, or startup. That's adweek.com slash ignite. We'll see you at Ignite, where deals get done. You're listening to, yeah, that's probably a Tide ad. This is the Ad Week podcast where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, pop culture, because in the end, everything's a Tide ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm an editor with adweek.com. With me as he is each week is Tim Nutt, our creative editor. Tim, welcome back. Kudos for that intro. Thank you, sir. Also back, a frequent guest on the podcast, producer on the podcast, and senior editor on the brand marketing beat for Ad Week, Christina Monlos. How are you, Christina? I'm very happy that you teed up Tide. Right up top. And we've got back a tech reporter for Ad Week and deeply embedded in the Tide ad recording scene, uh, Marty Swant. How are you, Marty? I'm doing well. All right. Well, we're going to dive in because it is the Super Bowl Monday, which means it's time for us to Monday morning quarterback all the ads. Uh, Adweek.com has been awash in stories, as you can imagine. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I don't know how many articles we went through. I think I counted something like 150 tweets uh, last night, um, when you said so, a wash, I think that was a tight ad. <laughs> yeah, that's this is gonna get to be too much so fast. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's already way too much. You just gotta lean into it at some point. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. So anyway, uh, big props to uh, Christina who led a lot of our coverage planning across the the whole Super Bowl period, which for us is like a month and a half. And also big props to uh, Tim who did all of our real time reviews. And this year there were quite a few uh, kind of last minute uh, ads debuting, which makes your job pretty tough, huh, Tim? A fair amount, yeah. But it's also exciting. You know, it's good to have ads that we haven't seen before. It makes it makes it fun. 
Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that aspect. Well, we're going to go ahead and dive in. We're breaking format a little bit this week. Uh, we're not going to have like an ads worth watching or news segment or anything because it's just all Super Bowl all the time. And we've got a lot of work we got to get back to as soon as we get done recording this. So <laughs> first off, let's talk about the giant, uh, clean elephant in the room, Tide. <laughs> Oh Tide God. had how many? <laughs> yes. So, so wh- what was the final tally on Tide ads? Like, how many? How many were there total, Tim? Four. Well, there were four, but then there was sort of ancillary stuff, uh, both on the broadcast and uh, on uh, on social, of course. So there was, you know, it was a fully integrated thing. Uh, there four, total. four main spots, I think. The um, I, I don't know if you guys caught this, but one of my favorite things that Tide did was that they had David Harbour, the ad star, the guy you recognize from Stranger Things, and go, that that guy, um, or at least ma- that's what I would do. But anyway, <laughs> what um, sexy David Harbour? Who doesn't recognize him? <laughs> I mean, he he's cute. Um, <laughs> but, the, but the best thing that they did was that they had him wearing the Eagles and the Patriots jerseys for like this, this, you know, blink and you'll miss it sort of thing that, um, you know, it was like a bumper right before the full commercial break. And it's just like this silly little thing that Diana McDougal, who was on a previous podcast, um, about the soup. Um, you know, she she just flipped out and made a gif out of it and was so excited about it because it was it was the way that they had these integrations all throughout that made it so fun if you were paying attention. Um, yeah, this whole campaign was yeah. a genius uh, media campaign, really. You know, you have these four ads, each of which kind of build on the other to like the humor kept going up. And then you, you work in all this social media stuff and you work in the, the unexpected stuff like you're talking about on the on the broadcast. And I mean, it was a really clever, creative idea. And then but the media was so central to it, I think. Well, let, let's back it up since we do have a few listeners outside of the U.S. and those who, on the, on the off chance, you don't know what we're talking about. So Tide <laughs> uh, had an ad making fun of Super Bowl ads and basically pointing out that any ad where the clothes are clean is a Tide ad. The, I thought the opening ad was fine. Had a few little comedic moments. Nothing great. I kind of was watching the room at the little mini party I was at to see how people reacted. They didn't think all that much of it. Um, but then, of course, it really pays off when you get to... Uh, the revisit of another uh, great ad moment. So let's go ahead and listen to that because I really feel like this was the moment when it tipped over into being a Super Bowl classic. Hello again, ladies. Is your man the kind of man who would climb the height? <clears throat> I'm in a tight head. Nice pants. Get off my horse. Tied up. So obviously there you've got David Harbour uh, appearing on the back of a extended horse, a, <laughs> the, the limousine of horses, uh, cozying up with Isaiah Mustafa. It was just so great to see him. You know, the original Old Spice ad, as Tim and I often have to point out to people, was not a Super Bowl ad. It's kind of misremembered as one. So it was nice to see it in the Super Bowl. It kind of snuck in under a technicality. Yeah. Well, it uh, it, it broke on Super Bowl weekend in, in 2010, and it was intentionally... Uh, confusing to people. Old Spice was hoping you would you would later think it was a Super Bowl ad, and and most people do, but now it is. Yeah, part of it, partly. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so then, of course, they they continued it throughout uh, the the Super Bowl, kind of exhaustively and popping up, and they revisited Mr. Clean uh, in his uh, very tight dancing pants from last year. <laughs> I think that was honestly probably my favorite spot, Uh, although seeing him on the horse with Isaiah Mustafa was classic, but seeing him do his little David Harbour version of the sexy dance at the end after it's like, Sarah, (laughs) it's a tie dad. It's so good. Um, 
So uh, let's talk to Marty uh, because you were there on set for uh, one of these 900 shoots involved in this. What, what did you get to actually see while you were out in uh, in L.A.? Yeah, sure. So I was there for two of the four days of filming a couple of weeks ago, I guess mid-January. And I saw several ads shot. Actually, two of them that I was there for didn't actually make it into the final cut, but I understand they're probably going to be in a longer reel sometime in the near future. Um, but for me, the, the, the two that I saw, it was the, the, the very final spot where they're spoofing a, a pharma ad. And you have, uh, it says like, you know, there are all the, the signs, you know, whatever. And it looks like a, an elderly person having back pain and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, uh, Harbor walks up and you realize it's, it's a pharma ad, but it's a Tide ad. And so all the, the normal side effects, um, text is actually just Tide talking about how it's more cleaner than the gen- than the generic. So I was there for that one. I was there for a diamond ad that didn't make the cut. I was there for a mattress ad that didn't make the cut. Uh, I was also there for the Alexa ad at the very end, or a smart speaker, I guess you could say. And a couple of others that I'm blanking on all of a sudden. Man, so, so there's that much, <laughs> that much left on the, uh, on the cutting room floor. They shot, like a, they shot like a dozen ads over the course of the three days, yeah. It, it, so, Tim, uh, I'm curious. This is certainly not a new idea of, of parodying other ads, nor is it the first time we've seen these kind of cross-brand. Uh, didn't Old Spice do this, actually? Didn't they bust into other? They did. They, uh, they busted into other P&G commercials uh, in kind of a similar way. Uh, but what, I think what was special about this is that it was really tailor-made for the Super Bowl. You know, they were making fun of Super Bowl tropes and, you know, this idea that anything could be a Tide ad, you know, kind of carried through the game. And I think, you know, I think when when certain ads came on, maybe people wondered, is this a Tide ad or not? I mean, it just kind of took over the uh, the, the atmosphere around the game. And I just thought it was super clever. And the acting and the pacing were great. Um and uh, to, to call back, you know, these other classic spots. And, and to, to reference Budweiser was pretty funny. I, I wonder what Budweiser thought of that. You know, the, there's a Clydesdale in one of these. It was great. <laughs> and, and I think people just, people do like Super Bowl ads that are self-referential. You know, it's like when you come out and be honest about where you are in this big pressure-filled advertising situation, instead of just trying to make a wonderful ad, if you just sort of comment on what it's like to try to make a wonderful ad, it adds a, little, a level of uh, a pleasant level of sort of meta-ness. And yeah, I thought these worked super well. I think, you know, the execution uh, had to be right on these for, for, the, for the idea to pay off really well. And I think, you know, maybe that's why they shot so many. They wanted to make sure they, they got it right. They didn't want any of them to fall flat. And I think all four of these uh, were quite good. Yeah, to be honest, it was funny being on set for these two days. I was a little skeptical of how all this would come together because you saw all these short ads being filmed back and forth. And it's interesting, actually, the director of photography on this was the same one that did uh, Interstellar and Dunkirk. And they picked him for his ability to do quick vignettes and, and to be really uh, versatile very quickly as you're jumping between these different scenes because every ad is filmed just like like a car ad is filmed, like a car ad would be a farmhouse film. So it wasn't just about the idea, but it's also the aesthetic of the ad also matched the, the genre. But it was funny talking to David Harbour for this because, uh, you know, this is his first ad. And I was asking him about the process and how it was different. And he was talking about how there's a lot more constrictions on filming a commercial than there is doing a TV show like Stranger Things or doing a movie because the scripting is so tight. And so the ad-libbing had to be a little more selective. And so that was interesting. But he saw his characters like a Greek god is the way he described it. Like he's just dro- <laughs> like <laughs> he's like dropping into a scene. <laughs> 
That's but it works. Funny. So, Christina, I feel like frequent listeners of the podcast know that you're uh, not often a fan of ads. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, uh, so where, where'd you come down on this one? Look, this isn't going to make me buy Tide, but I love this ad. I love this concept. I love everything about it. The casting is perfect. Everything that they did, it's so detailed. It's so smart. I love everything. I love it. Props to Saatchi and Saatchi. Have we mentioned that it was Saatchi and Saatchi? New oh, York. Which deserves deserves mention. Not they an agency so that we, many props. Not an agency that we mention that often when it comes to creativity, honestly. Uh, uh, so pretty amazing. And also the other thing that should be said is like with with everything they've been dealing with, with the Tide Pods, like to have this victory on the Super Bowl must be so must feel so great to the brand managers over there who have probably had a lot of sleepless nights for many months. Uh, so I'm happy for them too. Now let's talk about another one that got a lot of attention, although I don't think it was paid off as well. It was almost kind of the opposite of a tide. I'm talking about the Crocodile Dundee reboot, which turned out to be a uh, big tourism campaign for Australia. Uh, and what I mean about the opposite is it's one that had a lot of buildup going into the to the Super Bowl. I thought the payoff was fine. Um, but it didn't exactly blow me away. The the setup, of course, was that um, they've been advertising this Crocodile Dundee reboot movie about his American son, played by Danny McBride, and a buddy comedy kind of situation with Chris Hemsworth, who is Australian, played Thor. And, uh, you know, and then it turns into this uh, all-star, every celebrity from Australia, uh, except Rebel Wilson, who was in uh, the um, Amazon ad. Uh, all the rest of them were in this uh, kind of fake trailers for the, this movie. And then, of course, it was leaked uh, relatively early. That's a hard secret to keep. Uh, but, Christina, tell us a little bit about uh, Robert Clara, our uh, senior writer and editor. Uh, spent a lot of time talking to these folks and to Hemsworth and Danny McBride uh, directly. What did he learn about this? And wh- what's kind of your take on this whole ad? Well, so the, the way that we ended up doing a piece about this, because, you know, you guys... It's our job to know. We knew. Um, <laughs> we we sort of took the approach of, you know, these Dundee movies originally kind of served as a giant tourism ad for Australia. And so it was talking about how you take that franchise and bring it back in this way where it's like, okay, so these movies that were kind of inspired by the, um, what is it, Come and Say Good Day, those, the, the original tourism ads. Then there's the movie franchise, and then there's this whole spoof that they just did. So it was it was really like a breakdown of those things. Um, and you know, I, I think it I think it ends up being quite you know kind of spoiled because it came out so early and people were speculating, and then there was this like anonymous confirmation that you know this is what you think it is, and. When the mystery around something is spoiled, when something is what you think it is, it's it kind of when you finally see that reveal, it's not as satisfying. I, I don't know about you guys. I wasn't as satisfied yeah, by it. I thought the I think the spot is actually really great. I think it works. It is. If it had run just by itself without the PR thing, it would have been mm-hmm. probably even better, like more of a surprise. Uh, so obviously they took it. They took this as a PR play from the beginning, and you know I wonder how much attention. I know it was talked about a lot in kind of movie buff circles. I don't know if that ever really broke into the mainstream, though. You know, so yeah. I wonder if they might have had a better bang for their buck 
just unveiling the entire thing just in one fell swoop on the Super Bowl. And it might have might have gone. That's a- the thing is like I, I feel as though as we were just talking about with Tide, you know, their media strategy was really smart. I don't feel like, you know, of course, it's much easier to like armchair the day after but I I just don't feel like the Australian strategy was as smart because it was too obvious yeah I mean I I agree with that I think though that it must have been pretty irresistible to try to say like let's try to make people actually think this is a real movie by kind of seeding it you know and like online weeks before I mean I I totally understand where they were coming from um but yeah I mean and, and also we knew going in but not everybody knew so I think I think a lot of folks, I did see a lot of love for this spot actually last night and I think it's deserved. Yeah. I just want to note that like, um, Robert Clara's story is probably everything and anything you could ever want to know about, not just this whole, um, you know, ad gimmick, but the Dundee franchise in general, (laughs) like it's, it's, it's the end all be all and please read it. Yeah, uh, Robert does not go shallow on anything. If, we, <laughs> if we're sending him in, we're sending him in deep. Um, so yeah, it's it's a great read. Definitely check that out on adweek.com. Let's oh, quickly hit... Um, mm-hmm. One other thing, sorry. I just want to mention, he did talk to Chris Hemsworth and Danny McBride. So uh, those voices are in there. Fantastic. All right, so let's quickly hit a few other ads that we liked or that people seem to... Uh, that really seem to resonate with folks. Uh, definitely want to call out the NFL dancing or the touch celebrating touchdowns to come add uh tim i thought this was uh, really one of the best of the night and definitely seemed to just kind of cut across the biggest cross section of, of twitter and social media people just seem to really love it yeah very playful you know every everybody loves that dirty dancing song uh, when you have eli and uh, odell beckham jr kind of doing it it's 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 really funny i mean gray new york did this it was really well done you know the last couple of years they did the super bowl babies which were really really popular and you know gray does really good stuff for the nfl generally and yeah i really enjoyed this as well i saw the funniest thing i read on twitter about this was uh it said well now the patriots are zero and three in super bowls where eli manning makes an appearance that's great yeah yeah i it was funny i watched it with my parents which is the first time i've done that probably since i was a kid and my mom just loved it she was just howling and i think part of it's just the tone it's very easy to do this ad wrong so you've got these two football players reenacting a dance scene from dirty dancing and they never they never like wink at it right they never kind of do the easy quasi-homophobic joke of like someone seeing them and then they stop doing what they're doing. You know what I mean? There's like a million ways this kind of ad has played out in bad ways and I thought the fact that they were doing it in front of like all the their player, you know, all, all yeah. their teammates and friends. It's just the whole time was like, yeah, this is totally a cool thing to do. And speaking of media, they did they did teases for this like throughout the game, like very very quick, like a few seconds where it shows Eli kind of trying to figure out a dance move or whatever. They did like four or five of those, and, and that really helped to like kind of set the table for it. I, I didn't know what those were. I even knew about the ad, and I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> those were like <laughs> bizarre. But anyway, Christina, what's your take? Oh, I just wanted to, you know, congratulate them on doing a very difficult dance move and doing it seamlessly and <laughs> and with this gr- uh, the gracefulness of a dancer. It's, it was very, very nice. Good job, you guys. Well, Adele can catch like, a ball with one hand, so he can do anything. I know, but he just, 
It was like a swan. It was, it was very <laughs> but how, nice. But how much of that was from the slow motion aspect? Mm-hmm. That probably helped yeah. a little bit, but it was still graceful. <laughs> so, uh, Marty, while we got you, tell us uh, one of your favorites from last night that we haven't talked about. Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm slightly partial, but I, I really did like the tight ads. Um, what else did I like? I really liked the, and I think this came on probably in the last podcast, but I really thought the M&M's ad worked well um, with Danny DeVito. Uh, I thought that was just kind of fun, and he was a perfect person for that character. And honestly, I feel like I've eaten more M&M's in the past week than I probably have in the past two years. <laughs> and so if advertising works through reading about advertising, it definitely works on me. <laughs> I well, will say it was the first time I saw that ad with like a, a child in the room. Our CEO <laughs> brought his kids to our Super Bowl war room and I heard them laugh and I was like, oh yeah, that's the demo for this. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh, I almost forgot about the man. other one. The other favorite was the Pepsi uh, Doritos, mm, the, the Game of yeah. Thrones, the uh, Peter Dink. Is it Dinklage? Dinklage? I always yeah. forget his yeah. last name. Peter, Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Yeah, yeah, versus uh, Morgan Freeman. That was That was amazing. I mean, just the, the voiceovers and, yeah, I mean. What, what was funny is, like, my dad's TV, my dad had just commented, like, ah, the, 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 my TV's kind of out of sync with the broadcast. And so, like, lips <laughs> didn't quite match up with, like, the, with Al Michaels or whatever. And I didn't think much of it at the time. But then that one came on and I had to turn to my parents and be like, I, I assure you this is more impressive <laughs> when it's actually <laughs> synced up. Because, <laughs> oh I mean, it really is. Like, lip sync, lip syncing is one of those things that's, like, it's underappreciated how hard it is. Like you oh, can yeah. really tell when someone's doing it poorly. And these guys uh, really, especially uh, Peter Dinklage, you, you know, they cut away a few times from Morgan Freeman. They, they do a few kind of cheap little tricks to like, you know, cut away at a distance. But man, Peter Dinklage is on the Buster Rhymes. <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he, he pulled it off. Um, Honestly, I've never seen Game of Thrones. And so I didn't even know what Peter sounded like. So I fir- at, when it first came on, I forgot <laughs> for a second that it was actually Buster Rhymes. It wasn't Peter actually oh. re- saying all the words. <laughs> there is, by the way, it's worth looking up. There's a version of uh, the Game of Thrones theme song that's just Peter Dinklage singing his name to the tune of the entire theme song. It's just him going, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. Oh, that's amazing. It's, that's so it's, much. It's <laughs> worth looking up. It's pretty good. I'm going to sing our theme song with just my name someday. That'll be the fade out at the end of this episode. Yeah, that's an ad. Yeah, that's an ad. <laughs> All yeah, right. An ad. Uh, let's talk uh, Amazon. We, we already hit Amazon pretty good last week, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to really linger on it. But uh, Christina, do you feel like it generally uh, seemed to go over pretty well, right? It did. And, you know, having that, that pause that we talked about, that million-dollar pause, incredible. Incredible. Yeah, so, so, that was kind of, to me, the biggest surprise of the night in a really nerdy way is that our number one tweet was about that pause. And of all the things we pushed out, all the cool, fun facts and backgrounds and stories, that was the one that like weirdly blew up. But I think it was just kind of that cross of, uh, it seemed to, a lot of people had taken stock of that. It's, the, the six second pause in the middle of an ad literally cost a million dollars. But mm-hmm. And there was a lot of debate about how much Tide paid for all their stuff. I, I can't remember where, I think we had said 15 million and some other people had done the math say, oh, it'd have to be like 25 million. But I, I assume you get a bulk discount at some point. <laughs> you buy up like half the, half the game. I guess you had 90 seconds and the, for the four spots and then the two bumpers. I yeah. mean, what would, how much would those bumpers cost, you think, Christina? I don't know that. <laughs> okay. Just I'm, I'm just being honest. Four million. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. 
It's a lot. Uh, Christina, I definitely wanted to hit up the Coca-Cola ad, which I thought was quite lovely. Uh, you talked to the director of that, correct? Yeah. So um, Alma Harrell, she is the uh, founder of Free the Bid. She was one of just four women to direct an ad in the game. That's out of 42 directors. So that's uh, terrible, as you can imagine. Um, we we spoke about it, and um, she was essentially saying that, you know, they they wanted it to be this inclusive message and that this woman, this copywriter from Wyden and Kennedy, um, who Rebecca Wadlinger, she is a graduate of the University of Houston's PhD program in poetry. She wrote um, the poem that you sort of hear different people, uh, people's voiceover for, um, you know, Alma was saying that she was just trying to make sure that you could play around with the poem and and make it playful to the ear, but also like come up with visuals that would really illustrate the mood and the sentiment that they were trying to capture. It was Alma's first Super Bowl ad, and um, it you know ironically ended up coming out the same weekend that she was at the Directors Guild of America's awards, where she was the second solo woman to be nominated for a. Uh, Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Commercials. She did not win. Um, no woman has won. But, uh, you know, she also touched on that experience in our Q&A. Well, let's listen to a little bit about that. The Coca-Cola ad was almost so subtle and kind of quiet in its way that I think it was really easy for people to miss uh, that, to miss especially the copywriting uh, that you mentioned is from Widening Kennedy Portland, uh, from Rebecca Wadlinger, as you mentioned. Uh, so let's, uh, let's go back and listen to the beginning of, of that ad. No feet have wandered where you've walked. No eyes saw what you've seen. No one's lived the life you live. No head has held your dreams. To act the same would be mundane. What a boring thing to do. That's why there is just one me. And a billion unique years. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, a really, to me... What's impressive is how this ad walks that that line of when brands try to talk about gender and identity and you know intersectionality and th- these are tough things to put into an ad, especially in a party dynamic like the Super Bowl. Uh, and I and it's also hard to create uh, poetry in an ad without sounding really self-absorbed and kind of twee, you know. You know, and so this was an incredibly hard line to walk, and and I think they did a great job. So props to Wyden, uh, props to uh, to Coke for for that spot. They did do a great job, and it's just it's lovely to see online where um uh, you know I saw a a lot of people responding to Coca-Cola and sort of saying like, it is so important for you guys to use they, them pronouns because I feel seen for the first time. And like, you know, a lot of the time I think people can be cynical about advertising using these sorts of things, but it's like, if, if, if someone is feeling seen for the first time by a major brand because of something like this, that's a big deal. And important and we should recognize that work. All right, let's uh, let's move on to some of the not so great stuff. Uh, uh, there were certainly a few kind of uh, as that also I'll just say fell flat. Um, they uh, you know some that come to mind for me Diet Coke uh, where they had the woman kind of awkwardly dancing Why? in front of a very very plain <laughs> brick wall. Uh, there was the Pring- Pringles ad of course we talked about Bill Hader which just didn't have much to it. 
T-Mobile. Uh, the, the T-Mobile uh, was the worst with the babies. Which one was? Oh yeah, that was. Uh, that was just yeah. weird. It was like spinning yeah. babies and then some Nirvana lullaby All music. Apologies. So bad. <sighs> Terrible. And, uh, and then like at the end, I was like, oh. Yeah, okay. I vaguely remembered that was a T-Mobile app. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and then Wendy's was a bit of a mixed bag. I know we didn't like it, but Tim, did you see much response from normal humans about how they felt about it? Uh, normal I, humans. I, I didn't see too much. I was having a little bit of trouble keeping up with the brands on Twitter last <laughs> night. Yeah, understandable. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just thought, I mean, I think we all thought going into it that it was not not going to do very well. I, I, I didn't see a lot of positive uh People talking, people talking about it. So, I mean, it's just, you don't go to the Super Bowl to see people just like crapping on other people. You know, it's just it's certainly been done, but it's just like yeah, it was awkward. You know, I'm, I made fun of this in a tweet, but uh, you know, in 2015 when McDonald's was in the game, their whole ad was about you know acts of love and call your mom and tell her you love her and we'll give you a free. You know, it's like this whole stunt with getting people to to be kind to each other. And then Wendy's comes into the Super Bowl and they're just like, "You go to hell, McDonald's. You're awful." <laughs> Well, not only that, but like if you're gonna do that, at least be smart about it. Why the hell do you have a Titanic reference? Yeah, it's so weird. It was like they freeze their burgers. You know what else was frozen? The iceberg that hit the Titanic. It's like, man, that's a stretch by any any comedy standard. Yeah, it's just not um, a good joke. It's just no. dumb. It's like any any given tweet uh, is is better, which I think was Tim's entire review of this ad was that uh, it's not even as funny as one of their tweets. Mm -hmm. So uh, definitely I'll file under wasted opportunity. But let's talk Ram. So Ram had a a 60, it was like a 60 second ad, right, Tim? Yeah, it was a 60, yep. And they uh, they used voiceover from uh, Martin Luther King Jr. from a speech he gave called, uh, I believe, the... The drum major uh, instinct, I think is what it's called. It's a sermon that he gave about the importance of living a life of service. I think it is a great sermon. I think it's a great uh, message. But um, And I think there is a way that they could have done this ad uh, correctly. Um, but that that was not what they did. Uh, you know, there were just a few too many product shots. And if you're going to take something like Martin Luther King Jr. voiceover— uh, you really cannot be showing just like here's our truck. You know, you've got to, you've got to like go kind of almost zero product. You've got to make it clear that you're not being exploitative of this message. Because yeah, it's great. It's a, it's great and timely to say that people should live a life of service and not of greed and and materialism. And uh, but that is not the way the ad came across. So, uh, Tim, I feel like we're definitely safe in saying that that was the most loathed ad of the evening. Yeah, I, th- I saw a stat this morning from Sprout Social that said four out of five social posts about this ad were negative last night out of, I think, almost 50,000 mentions that they tracked. So, yeah, I mean, this ended up kind of being the turd in the punch bowl last night. Um, you know, it's interesting that you say that it could have been done right. I mean, most people sa- seem to be saying last night that you just can't do this. It's not something that you can do, you know, regardless of how you do it. Um, But I I tend to agree with you. I mean, kind of broadly, this issue is, you know, whether you can use kind of any cultural, political figures of the past, you know, who have since died for ads, you know, and I do think that in some ways that there's kind of a selective reaction to stuff like this. You know, you think about like, Apple Think Different campaign, like that entire campaign was about kind of, you know, like, using folks like Gandhi and John Lennon to sell computers. 
And I guess your point is that like if you do it right, it doesn't seem like you're doing it to sell computers. And maybe if RAM had done this a little differently, it wouldn't seem like they were trying to sell trucks. But I think the the point of a lot of people on Twitter last night is you know you are selling trucks and don't put Martin Luther King into your you know for profit enterprise. So I don't know. The NBA used the "I Have a Dream" speech a year or two ago. Didn't get any, you know, didn't get any flack for that. Uh, so I guess maybe you're right. I mean, maybe there, maybe there was just too much of a connection here between between uh, you know the man and the selling of the product. But you know, in a, in a broader sense, I don't know. I mean, we talk a lot about companies like bringing their values to the forefront. You know, trying to stand for something bigger. Than their products, you know, and, and here's a brand where, where I, I do think they were well intentioned and kind of wanting to share this this message. And you know, I mean, it, it seems kind of obvious that they messed it up uh, in the end. Um, but I'm not sure that the answer is that is that for profit companies, you know, can never use you know inspiring words to to try to spread basically the same message that MLK was spreading. I mean, they're they were trying to spread that message, that positive message, and. And I think, you know, the reaction to it last night was pretty severe and pretty swift. And, and I think, you know, uh, hopefully folks will learn from it. And, and if it is in the execution, maybe focus a bit more on the execution. Maybe just take the product right out and, and you'll, you'll maybe maybe you'll solve half your, your problems. Oh, I was going to add to that is just say, like, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me overall from last night was, I mean, on that note, like last year we saw a lot of brands taking like a, a some sort of uh, – uh, they try to take some sort of message, whether it's political or social. I mean, you had the Budweiser immigration message. You had, you had uh, there was, wasn't there like a lumber company that had an immigration message? Maybe but, for lumber. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, but this year there was very little of that. And I, I don't know if it was just because last year's Super Bowl is so soon after the the inauguration. Um, but it seemed like most of the ads this year were humorous, except for a couple that were slightly more sentimental. And I was kind of surprised we didn't see more um, brands taking a stance on something yeah i mean all i think all the top five when we picked the top five last night i think they were all comedies and i think Mm -hmm. that i think that is interesting you know because you know brands were have been very very earnest and maybe people are getting tired of earnest too like maybe this you know maybe this it, it sometimes feels like like it is exploitative to to you know particularly the mlk thing but but also just more generally i think i think i don't know I don't think RAM is just about, I I think RAM is an anomaly and also, I I don't know, just uh, don't, I don't think any brand should be using Martin Luther King speeches. I just don't think they should. Let me tell you guys a fun little twist on this, which is we, of course, remember the uh, farmer ad uh, from how long ago, Tim? Five years? Yeah, 2014, I think. Uh, So four years ago. which used uh, Paul Harvey's voice and talking about the importance of farmers. But um, there is a local attorney uh, who keeps running an ad in our local ad buys around the Super Bowl in my town uh, that is a parody of Farmer, except it's about, it's called The Lawyer. And it's not, <laughs> and the best part is it's not funny. It's like serious. And so he's talking about, you know, when when your loved ones are dead and you need someone to look out for you, when you need someone to find, you know, carry your case forward when your child has been killed in an accident. Like, it's like the most cringing, awful. Th- so I'm just like, wow, this is, 
this is really something. And they keep running it. They were running it last night in our local ad slots. I was just like, wow, that's amazing. So <laughs> that gave me a little pause. It gave me the ability to step back and be like, wow, well, it could be worse if the rest of America had to watch the, the ad that I just watched. Um, let's talk real quickly about social analytics. Tim mentioned some of this. I'd, I just had a weird... It felt like there were some parallel universes going on with some of these social analytics about Super Bowl ads. Uh, Twitter had their brand bowl where they named, you know, kind of the most successful brands. Uh, they named as their MVP Pepsi. How? Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> what? I, th- I think largely driven by the Pepsi halftime uh, hashtag, which is seems like cheating to me, but whatever. That's their That's money. That's completely cheating. Yeah, and they also bought a sponsored hashtag, which is about a million dollars. So <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah, it was paid trending, and they um they also had uh something with Cindy Crawford's name in it, some hashtag with like Pepsi Cindy Crawford that they were pushing. So they had a few hashtags. But man, I did not see people really talking about that ad. There were certainly people talking about the the halftime, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but then, uh, you know, some of the some of the other brands that they were featuring that Twitter Twitter was saying like, here were the best of these social marketers: uh, Doritos, Mountain Dew, um, for quantity of mentions. Okay, cool. Well, it wasn't just that. I think Mountain Dew also had Chance the Rapper's little brother. Um, he like if you tweeted at Mountain Dew, they like had him rap something at you. I think this is what they pitched to me, and I did not ever actually see it. I should clarify that, <laughs> but allegedly that's a thing that they did. So I could see that maybe being popular. Well, and so so another one that they they called out was for most retweets in a single tweet was Jurassic World trailer. You know, so which was fine. You know, it wasn't even that great of a trailer. Uh, It was mostly like footage from the last Jurassic World. Um, But, you know, it's just one where I'm sitting there like going through these. and I was like, I don't feel like this is at all indicative of of the brands that really had the best night. Uh, Sprinkler had another thing called Brand Bowl. The same same name, slightly different uh, thing. And they're a uh, analytics and social media service. Uh, they gave the big win to Avocados from Mexico, which had 130,000 mentions versus Tide only having 108,000. I didn't see anyone talking about Avocados from Mexico. <laughs> yeah, th- those numbers seem just wrong. Well, I feel like those numbers are off because Twitter is weird. Like the way that people talk about things, they don't necessarily always tag the brand. A lot of it is subtweeting and a lot of it is like, ha ha ha, like, can you see this thing? I can see this thing, but we're not going to totally mention this thing or tag the brand. So, you know, the the social chatter and the analytics stuff, I, I mean, I trust it to a degree, but I also don't because just think about the way that you use Twitter. Yeah, but it or, seems weird or, that, that avocados know? from Mexico would, would benefit from that because that's the longest name ever that pro- yeah. <laughs> <It's so true. laughs> people probably never use. Yeah, because yeah, their hashtag was Guac World. I think that's the, the winning hashtag. But yeah, like to Christina's point, yeah, it is interesting because, I mean, Salesforce is pulling keywords and they didn't even have tied in their top five. You know, and I felt like most of the stuff scrolling past, you know, mine was tied or people making jokes about it. Yeah, you know who else uh, Who else didn't have tied in their top five was the, the ad meter, the USA Today ad meter. No. Yeah, and I think that's because, David, like, like you mentioned, like the first one was kind of a warm-up and maybe that wasn't 
Like I loved the first I one. I liked the first one too, it's but it, maybe fun. it wasn't like, you know, Amazon worthy. I, I think Amazon won the ad meter. Probably yeah, not surprisingly, right? Like, like 90 seconds, very solid. You know, the 45 of Tide, it kind of takes a little while to, to, to understand what's happening. And it really gets paid off in the 15s. And maybe the 15s are too short that people didn't want to vote them up or something. And I don't know. Just a little, yeah. just a little context, just to add to that. But Tide and Sachi actually took a lot of time. They, they, they were really worried about people not getting all of those four spots. So I think that's probably why they, they kind of doubled down and explained things and making maybe a little bit too dull in the first one to make sure that people follow along for the rest. So I wonder if that, that set up that foundation kind of yeah. hurt a bit, at least Makes for sense. that meter, for example. No, it's so good. Everyone who thinks the 45 isn't good enough is completely wrong. <laughs> I didn't say it wasn't good. I said some people might not have. <laughs> I And those people are wrong. They are very wrong. Harper's performance in that is so great. When the beer bottle like falls off the table and he yeah. laughs, that is perfect. I agree. That like the razor moment. Like the razor segment. Yeah, when, funny. That was yeah when he appears when he appears like in the dude's mirror like that, that is a Tardad. laugh out loud and, for me. And then when he was like wearing the glasses and he's outside and he has that clipboard and he's like, it's a tie dad. Oh, man, that delivery. Excellent. Yeah, solid. And there's I mean, a little Easter egg in there. If you call the number that's below the insurance ad, there's actually a little Easter egg. I don't I haven't called it yet, but it dials to something. So yeah, fun fact, if you want to try that out. <laughs> Harbor, I remember when I watched Stranger Things and I was probably like a lot of people, I was like, who is this guy? Like, did he just like emerge fully formed from someone's forehead? Like, <laughs> no, like I, I had never he's heard been of around. Him. Well, that's the thing. Like, I went back and found, oh, okay, he's done all this theater. You know, that's the thing is usually if I don't recognize someone at all, it's like, oh, they came up through theater and they've already yeah. won like 17 Tony Awards by the time, uh, you know, I hear about them. But have you um, seen Revolutionary Road? No. Go watch that. He's so good. It's a drama with DiCaprio and um, Kate Winslet. He's he's great in that. Uh, all right. Uh, well, we have talked it up, and we've like I said, we got to get back to work. Uh, we got a lot more. <laughs> we got a lot more Super Bowl stuff to put to bed, and apparently, other advertising thing happens. Uh, th- things are happening other than the Super Bowl. So, funny how that works. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much, Christina and Marty and Tim, and great job to everybody uh, on last night. It's always it's the most exhausting night of the year for us but uh it was certainly a great team effort and props to all of our friends at adweek and to everyone who like uh responded we got something like 3,800 responses on our tweets last night it was bonkers so we're trying to keep up with everybody but thanks so much all right well our theme music is by home this week's episode was produced by christina monlos thank you christina please take a moment to leave a review on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher wherever you get your podcasts those reviews mean a lot to us personally and they also help new audiences discover the show i'm david griner with adweek and we will be back next week Don't forget to visit adweek.com slash ignite to learn about our incredible event coming up in Las Vegas, March 19th through 21st. Whether you run an innovative company with brand clients or you're a marketer looking for better tools, Adweek Ignite offers the perfect blend of networking and insight. That's adweek.com slash ignite. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? 
We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.